0: We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story. You can also go online and give this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message.
1: day of the week, and I am excited about today, I'm excited about this week, and uh, I'm, we're not going to, we're not going to tarry long, I just want to, uh, I, I, I've never met, I don't know if it's, is it proper to say brother Lee or just Lee, whatever. whatever, you'll answer to anything, all right. In person, but I've been—I've had the privilege of getting to know him a little bit through a a leadership uh, group that I've become a part of, and and uh, this guy is genuine. Everyone that I've talked to has talked about how genuine he is, how much he loves the Lord, and loves what he is being called to do. But just a a little bit about him—I got this bio off your Facebook page, so this isn't original. Okay, this is just, but he is a, he travels the country, and literally travels the country. He preached, uh, he he did, he had a service last night, Alexander, Alexander City. Alexander City, Alabama. Drove all the way into Russellville last night, or this morning, got to Russellville at 4 a.m., and he said he didn't get a lot of sleep, but what he got was good. <laughs> so, uh, he is a comedian, storyteller, evangelist, and preacher with Hidden Hook Ministries, and he'll go into more of that, I'm sure. But uh, I'm excited this morning to have uh, Lee McBride with us this morning, and I hope uh, you are as excited as I am. So without any further ado, Brother Lee, come on, man. Would you welcome him? Give him a Hector Polk County round of applause.
0: So I'm just a preacher's kid. My dad pastored in the Assembly of God Church for 40 years. Retired for eleven months, almost went crazy. Him and my mom almost killed each other. And uh now he's the seniors pastor at North Highland Assembly of God Church in Columbus, Georgia. He went back to work, he gets paid part time. I think he works full time, but he's loving that. And uh I grew up with two heroes. My dad and a guy named Jerry Clower. Anybody ever heard of Jerry Clower? Yeah, so I fell in love with the power of telling a story at a very young age. And so that's all I do is use storytelling to try to point people to Jesus Christ. And I do it in different ways. I mean, in just a few weeks, uh, well, my first youth camp starts June the 6th. And I got five weeks of youth camp back to back to back to back. Y'all, five weeks of youth camp will kill a youth. Do you know what it'd do to a 56-year-old fat guy? I mean, because with youth camp comes things like youth camp food. Can you imagine five weeks of youth camp food? I mean, I ain't never met Little Caesar. If any of y'all ever catch Little Caesar, if you'll tie him up, we'll throw him in the Wachita River as soon as I get here. Because I'm tired of $5 pizza. Can you say Amen. Yeah it's hard to preach with fervor and an anointing through a Kool-Aid mustache. It just is. And with youth camp comes things like youth camp beds. You know, a few years ago, I preached at Native American Indian camp up in Browning, Montana. And they had a lot more boys show up than was supposed to be there. You know what? I had to sleep in a bunkhouse with the eighth grade boys. And because I was late getting in there, I got a top bunk. Let me tell you something. That kid that slept on the bunk under me prayed more than any kid in the history of youth camp. He got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, called to preach. He's a Wycliffe Bible translator in the Amazon. I mean, God spoke to this kid. But I love what I'm doing. And and I, I got a little table out there with some hats on it. Hidden hook ministry just means we're fishing for folks. And we hide the hook. You may know, every fisherman knows you got to hide the hook with a cricket or a wax worm or something. We just hide the hook with storytelling, get people laughing, and then hit them in the face with the truth. Uh, you know, no matter how much the world changes, no matter how much social media impacts, no matter how much things change, people still love to hear a good story, and it ain't never going away. And you got a good story. The story of how you came to Christ is a good story. When's the last time you told it? One-on-one. Because that's what revival is about. So listen, so that's all It's going to be is storytelling. I'm no guru. I can't pray any better than you. I love Jesus with all my heart, but I will tell you this. If you will pray with me and you will give me a chance, I will not waste one second of your time. I believe God's going to do something supernatural and powerful here in Hector, Arkansas this week. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. We're going to tonight, we're going to laugh a little bit tonight. If you got somebody that's sour against the church and you can get them here tonight, we're going to feed them afterwards. But I'm going to get some folks laughing a little bit tonight. You say, well, Lee, I'm not coming if you're going to just play. I'm not playing. I'm going to show you what we do tonight. We're going to get laughing and then we're going to turn it. So if you got somebody that needs to know Christ as their Savior, call them today. Make it hard for them to say no. If they say they ain't got a ride, go get them. Yeah, right. Make it hard for them to say no, and we're going we're to see that tonight. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, this this revival this week got as much to do with you as it does me. I mean, what, I don't know what you're hungry for. I don't know what your desire is. I don't know what you want to see God do. But if you'll begin to pray, yeah. if you'll begin to pray, yeah. God's going to do something supernatural in this church this week. Maybe it'll be in in, in you. So let's pray real quick right now. Lord, we love you so much. Dear Jesus, we believe you who you say you are, and we believe that you can do everything you say you can do. Now, the world picks and chooses. They run real quick to the scriptures about love, and they run real quick to the scriptures about heaven. But, Father, there's some scriptures in there that in this culture is hard to believe. Lord, there's some scriptures in there that's awkward to believe. But we're saying right here at the very start of this revival by faith, we believe it from cover to cover. We believe the ones that are unpopular to believe. We believe the ones that are hard to believe. Lord, we're just asking for your help. Lord, I ask that you prepare people's hearts for what this is going to be. If that's a little different than other uh, evangelists that have been here, I pray that people will give me a chance. Father, we don't have to pray for the anointing of your word. Your word's already anointing, but we do pray that you'll prepare our hearts. Because, Lord, it is natural born, 100% truth that the same sunshine that hardens red clay melts red wax. So soften our hearts. And it's in your precious name we pray and everybody said, amen. It's baseball season. Well, let me say this. I ain't going to say this but one time the whole week, but y'all, you'll help spread the word. I got a table out there. It's got some hidden hook ministry hats on it. Let me tell you what that's about. It's going to be hard for you to believe, but it is a documented truth that every August in 31 days or 30 days, is there 30 or 31 days in August? I have to do it on my knuckles, January, February. However many days there are in August, I'm going to speak to 100 high school football teams in 30 days. Last year, I spoke to 11 high schools here in the great state of Arkansas. I get a five-minute water break message. Every coach, I ain't never been told no in seven years, and I speak to 100 teams in 30 days. That table helps pay for that. So that's just donation base. If you want a hat, grab one, throw a little in the jug. If you ain't got no folding money and want a hat, take one. I ain't scared. God's going to pay my gas bill anyway. But uh, it's just donation basis. That's what that's all about. So if you want to help me out there, that'd be great. It's baseball season, and I'm kind of a, a baseball guy. I like, I like baseball. I mean, I'm a college football guy first, but I like baseball. And uh, I went to Southeastern College in Lakeland, Florida. I went twice. My dad sold his auto parts business and went when I was in the third grade. And uh, then I went back after I graduated high school. We're going to talk about that Tuesday night. Uh, I don't miss Central Florida. I don't want to live in Central Florida. I like the seasons. I love the fall. The fall is my favorite season. They ain't got no fall. You know what I mean? One thing I do miss about it is in the spring in Central Florida, there's a thing called the Grapefruit League. And what the Grapefruit League is, half of the Major League Baseball teams in the country Most of the eastern seaboard go to central Florida within about a 100-mile radius. And you can go and watch spring baseball games for $5. So when my dad was in Bible college, I got to meet all my childhood heroes in baseball. I met Johnny Bench. I met Tommy Lasorda. I met Dave Parker. I mean, you name the big baseball players from my childhood, I met them down there at the Grapefruit League, down there playing spring baseball. They're very approachable in the spring. It was awesome. When I went back to college, we used to go to to some games and I ain't never been a Philadelphia nothing fan. I don't like no team for Philadelphia. I like Dr. J now, he was a 76er. I didn't like none of the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles beat the Falcons like redheaded stepchildren my whole life. But there's this guy that played for the Phillies. I always thought he was cool. I always liked him. He played third base. It was like if Matt Dillon played baseball. His name was Mike Schmidt. He was a cool-looking guy. He could hit it. I always liked Schmidt. So I'm down there in Bible College, and we get a pass to go in the clubhouse. So the Philadelphia Phillies, which at that time was in Clearwater, Florida, during the spring, and I wanted to meet Schmidt. Well, I had noticed that the year before, kind of in a real weird way for just a few weeks, Schmidt went into a bad slump. Now, I don't know who your favorite hitter is of your lifetime. You may not even be a baseball fan, but if you are and you got a favorite hitter, if you look at their career, at some point, they go into a slump. They can't figure it out. So I remembered he was in a slump, and then he come out of the slump. So I thought if I meet Schmidt, I'm going to ask him how he came out of the slump. So we are waiting around there, and I didn't get to meet Schmidt, but I met the, the manager, met some of the other players, and all of a sudden, a guy comes up, and he says, Lee, I want you to meet, this is our hitting instructor. Well, I had my question already ready for Schmidt. I wasn't going to waste it, so I said, this is the hitting instructor for the whole team. He said, yeah. I said, for the major league team. He said, yeah. I said, let me ask you a question. How would y'all get Schmidt out of his slump? And he said, well, that's funny you ask, because the guy that got him out of it is right over there. And he called, and there was an old African-American gentleman, and he was a scout for the Midwest. He lived in St. Louis, but he was the Philly scout for that part of the country. He called him over. He said, Lee, well, I can tell you what didn't work. This is the early 80s, the mid-80s. He said, we put him in, we put a video side by side of when he was hitting and when he wasn't, and we broke it down second by second. And we compared his hands and his move and his feet side by side. That didn't get him out of it. He said, then we brought in a sports psychologist. This is in the 80s. Ain't no telling what they do now. They bring in a witch doctor and hook you up to diodes. I mean, ain't no telling what they're crazy. But they had all this high-tech stuff they did to try to get him out of slump. So when the guy comes over I said, hey, I, nice to meet you. I said, I just wonder how y'all got Schmidt out of slump. And he said, he started laughing. He said, well, he said, I went and bought two barbecue sandwiches. And we sat down at a picnic table. And I said, Mike, tell me, how'd you learn how to hit? Now, I don't know how you learned how to hit as a kid, but I distinctly remember how I learned how to hit. My dad had about 50. They were practice golf balls, but they were wiffle balls, little ones. And I had a yellow Plastic wiffle bat. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That thing's about that big around. as hard as a brick and light as a feather. That thing has stood the test of time. It's been around a 100 years. Every man in this church worth his salt has either pummeled or been pummeled by a yellow wiffle bat. That thing is light, man. You can beat somebody to death with it. I was a little old bitty kid. He'd pour those wiffle balls out, sit on that bucket, and he'd just throw them up, and he would say, Squashed it, um, excuse me, crushed the eggs, squashed the bug, step and turn. I was five years old. I was so goofy, but man, he just throw those balls up, and I would whew, swat at them. It was like a week. I ain't touched one, but by the second week, I started kind of ticking them. By the third week, I'm hitting them over our little chain link fence. That's how I learned how to hit. See, what we got to do when we don't know what to do is we go back to the beginning. You got to go back. And look what happened. Where did this thing run off the rails? What happened? So we're going to go to the very beginning this morning. Is it all right if I stand down here? Can you all see me? Do you all want me to get back up on the stage or are we good? I just want to tell everybody this week, when you're looking at me, look at this eye. Not this eye. I don't know if you've noticed or not. This is a lazy eye here. If you focus on this eye, you'll get seasick. <laughs> Somebody asked me other day, they said, Big Lee, how lazy is your eye? I said, it's collecting unemployment. <laughs> and it's praying for a forced stimulus check. It's lazy. <laughs> you know, I thought when I started wearing glasses, it'd get better. It's worse. We're going to go back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read three verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless. Everybody say formless. formless. And empty. Everybody say empty. empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So the earth had three issues in the very beginning that we can identify. What, what do we do when we don't know what to do? When we have nothing to compare it to? You ever got up to a red light wasn't working? I know you ain't in Hector. How many red lights are there in Hector? Nan. Yeah. When you go to the big city, you ever come up to a red light ain't working? What you supposed to do in the state of Arkansas if you come up to a red light ain't working? Four-way stop. Treat it like a four-way Stop. You can go through three four-way stops on the way to a red light that ain't working, and people are fine. But when they get to that light, they're stopping and starting. this mass. It's chaos. Because when there ain't a light where there was a light, things get chaotic. When there isn't form where there was form, sometimes our lives gets formless. We just went through something. like We've never been through anything like it. We really don't know what to do. What do we do when we don't know what to do? What do we do when our life is formless, and that brings on a little chaos? Well, the answer comes from a very unique source. It's from when I was 10 years old, and it comes from the ABC Wide World of Sports. Now, I don't know about y'all. Did you start watching stuff you ain't never watched during the shutdown? I mean, some days you couldn't go do nothing. I'm watching crazy stuff. Matter of fact, I did my first marathon during COVID. I did a Seinfeld Marathon. It took three and a half days and four bags of them big puffy Cheetos, but I powered through it. (laughs) Well, one thing I found that I became a fan of is called the X Games. On ESPN has this thing called the X Games, which stands for extreme sports. And, man, they got these little motorcycles that are made out of aluminum craft alloy NASA-designed Kevlar. They light as a feather. They got jet engines on them. Man, they'll zoom down through them ramps, jump up and do five flips. And that reminded me of somebody from my childhood. The, the dude from my childhood, he didn't have no NASA-designed jet motorcycle. He had a street Harley-Davidson, and he just knocked a bunch of stuff off of it. And he put a little extra weld on the bottom. It was a street hog. <laughs> He found him a red and white and blue leather suit, painted his helmet with stars on it, got him a cape, and he started jumping stuff. Now, he didn't have no special design motorcycle, but I'm telling you, he owned us. His name was Evil Knievel, and we didn't miss nothing that he did. When I'm 10 years old, he makes this statement that in two months, he's going to jump 13 Greyhound buses, in Wembley Stadium in Wembley England. We going nuts. Now I want all the young people, y'all gotta go with me. I'm not gonna be the talking about participation trophies and skinny jeans, I'm not that guy. I'm just trying to give you perspective. So you gotta understand this. You gotta understand this. There's three channels on TV, there ain't no cable. Matter of fact, didn't even have a remote. I was the remote at my house. My dad would call me from outside to come inside the house and put the tinfoil off a rabbit ear on one of the fillings he said he bought me to try to get that third channel to come in. Now listen, just go with me. I'm not trying to say we walked uphill both ways in the snow. I'm just giving you perspective. There was no way to record a TV show There was no on-demand, there was no DVR, there was no VCR. So if something happened live, you better be there to watch it. Because if you weren't there, you ain't going to see it ever again in your life. There was nothing. Three channels, no way to record a TV show. No Internet, no Netflix, nothing. So in two months, Evil Knievel's going to jump 13 Greyhound buses in Wembley Stadium, Wembley England. Man, I'll never forget the day of the event. My whole neighborhood's at my house. My mama made snacks. we serving snacks for the ABC Wild Wars. We had, I'll never forget, we had red Kool-Aid. Y'all remember them little flower cookies? They were terrible. They tasted like cardboard. They were hard as King Kong's kneecap, but you could get 300 of them for 79 cents. You know what I'm talking about? Remember you put them on your pinky and eat around them in a little flower cookie? They were terrible. We had flower cookies and red Kool-Aid. Evil Knievel's fixing to jump. Now, all right, go with me. A little perspective. There's no tape delay. So if Evil Knievel's going 80 mile an hour and hits bus number 12 and goes splat, we fixing to see it live and in color. There ain't no tape delay. Man, we are sitting around... Here he comes. Now, I don't know if y'all remember this, but he'd come out first on a little trick bike, and he'd do some donuts and ride wheelies. He's going to went up there and got on the hog, and then built this ramp way up into the stadium stands. And he's going to come down and tested the ramp about 10 times. He goes back up, and old Frank Gifford, in his mustard yellow ABC, wild world of sports blazer, says the next time he comes down the ramp, He's going to jump these buses. And old Frank Gifford goes up there and he asks Evel Knievel three questions. And the answer to question number three is what we do when our life is formless. Question number one. He said, Evil, let me ask you something. How fast you got to be going to jump 13 Greyhound buses 168 feet? Evel Knievel laughed at it and said, I don't know, Frank. There ain't no speedometer on the motorcycle. I'm just going to go fast as I can. Everybody starts laughing. He's embarrassed. Y'all, there's 13 million people watching this thing. 13 million people, 1975. You couldn't have put two more people in Wembley Stadium with a cold chisel and a sledgehammer. This place is, this is the biggest thing happening in the world at that moment. And Frank Gifford done ask a dumb question. Question number two. He said, I noticed when you get about halfway across, you pull up on the front end. How you know when to do that? He, he would say, I don't know, Frank. I ain't got time to count buses. <laughs> they laughing at him again. But I'll give Gifford this. He rallied on question number three. He rallied. He said, well, let me ask you this. Brilliant question. What's the last thing going your, uh, down, through your mind when you go down that ramp? And Evil Knievel said something, if I live to be 100, I'll never forget it. He said, we take a tape measure, and we pull to the exact center of the ramp. And we take two pieces of duct tape, and we make an X. And he said, when we make that X, the only thing I'm thinking is not how fast do I need to be going or when to pull up on the front end is drive that tire through that X. He said, because if I miss it this far on the launch ramp, I'll miss the entire landing ramp. What do we do when we don't know what to do? We fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We drive through the X. Even Knievel's X looked like that, ours looks like this. Our only hope is the cross. Our answer to the world's problems is the cross. The local church should be the answer to every problem in the United States of America. It should be a beacon of hope when we fix our eyes on Christ. We do Matthew 6, We uh, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto us. Now, if we're doing a leadership forum and Evil Knievel was here, we'd have to church that up. It couldn't just be drive through the X. We'd say, do what's most important first with excellence. And that's what we need to do, you and me, when our life gets formless. Then it said his life got empty. What brings emptiness to your life? What happens when we feel like we're just going through the motions? What happens in us? What happens to us when our life gets empty? Well, I can tell you what happens. You have to go back to where you quit being grateful. You have to go back to the spot where you quit being thankful for the blessings that you have. Because when you quit being grateful, your life comes empty. Why does something have to happen? You have to lose something to truly appreciate it. That shouldn't be true. Let me tell you how you can do that. You got to know the difference between a source and a resource. We put too much faith in resources. Your job is not your source of income. Your job is a resource God uses to give you income. God is your source of income. You know how much money people spend to get good sleep? Oh, my gosh, I stayed in a guy's house. I mean, I'm preaching revival. It's in Arkansas, too. And if I said it, some of y'all know him, so I ain't going to say it. He said, go on down there to the basement. He said, "Big Lee, we got a sleep machine down there." I said, "Oh, what? A sleep machine?" Well, our curiosity got me. I get out and I turn this little remote. I start turning. It's making sound like a cricket. I thought, "How sad is a man's life when he got to buy a machine that sounds like a cricket to go to sleep?" I said, "Buddy, just lift your window that high. You'll hear grasshoppers, katydids, crickets. What are we doing?" I fooled around, left it on a thing sounded like a little, you know, water running, like a little brook, a little stream. About the fourth time I had to get up and TT, I unplugged that thing. <laughs> I didn't fool with it no more. Now, listen to me. I want you to listen to me. Don't misquote me. Listen to me. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Sleep is not your source of rest. Sleep is a resource God uses to give you rest. Quit spending money to try to get better sleep. Jesus said, come unto me if your burden's too heavy. Hand it to me and I will give you rest. That's the kind of rest we need. I explain it in middle school camp like this. I love whole milk. Better than anybody you know. They ain't know what, what county we in? Did you say Pope County? Pope like the Pope? I got you. He ain't from here, is he? Oh, okay. Uh, ain't nobody in Pope County, Arkansas loves whole milk more than me. I only buy red cap. Don't bring none of that other stuff. That's white water. I like whole milk. I dream about whole milk. My wife comes in about two months ago. I'm eating popcorn. I just microwaved and drinking milk. She said, you can't drink milk when you eat popcorn. I said, watch me. (laughs) Problem is, I got a son who loves it just as much as me. He'll drink a gallon a day. He's just wearing me out. I made a rule in my family when my kids were little bitty. Don't nobody drink all the milk. I said, everybody's, you know, Wendy, you got a debit card with my name on it. Go knock the paint off of it. I don't care. We, li- we live two miles from a 24-hour Walmart. I don't want to get up in the morning and get to the refrigerator and there ain't no milk. I mean that. Buy two gallons and hide one of them. I don't care. I don't want to come home and there be no milk. Every once in a while. I'll come, you know what he'll do? That boy, I raised this kid. I, I spent, I, I sacrificed my whole life for that kid. Paid his way through Alabama. Out my pocket. You know what he'll do? He'll eat just enough milk in one corner of that jug. If he was doing communion, you'd be set. <laughs> Say he didn't drink it all. Won't even get your mouth wet. But if I come home and I open the fridge and there ain't no milk, I don't fall down on the kitchen floor and go, God, you said you'd never see the righteous forsaken. Here I lie milkless before you. Because we got a Walmart, and if they ain't got it, we got grocery stores. If they ain't got it, I mean, 15 miles down there road from me in Chilton County, Alabama, I know a guy owns a dairy. I can figure them udders out. I know people way dumber than me can milk a cow. I'll figure it out. God is your source. God is your source. You need to be grateful for the things God has given you. You say, Lee, you don't know me, buddy. I'm self-made. I come out of a rough situation and made the most of myself. You preach that to somebody else. Well, really? What if you've been born in the Ukraine? Because ain't a human being in here picked where they were born. Ain't a human being in here picked who your parents was going to be. What if you was born in Calcutta, India? How self-made would you be? The very fact that you're here and the very fact of where you were born is the blessing of God. And to whom much is given, much is required. Go back to being grateful. I was going through a little town in South Georgia not long ago. Little bitty town, McCray, Georgia. Y'all ain't even never heard of McCray, have you? Y'all think Hector's a small town? Hector's New York City compared to McRae, Georgia. Not, not really. Y'all about the same. I didn't have time to stop me. I had to go from one gig to another. I'm going through there on two wheels. I'm starving. I'm about ready to eat my elbow. I look over. There. There's a guy on the corner selling boiled peanuts. I love boiled peanuts. I said, I could witch over there, buy one in bags, and keep going. I'll make my gig. I pulled over, two five-gallon big old, or two five-dollar little big old Styrofoam cups of bullpen. I said, give me two. I said, man, if you had something to drink, I wouldn't have to stop again. That'd be a help to me. He so well, i tell you, I'll sell you the two drinks I bought for me. I'm fixing to go to the house. I said, what you got? He said, I got two knee-high grape drinks in a bottle he said, but my refrigerator's tore up, and they about half froze. Church. <laughs> Church. If I was on death row, and they was going to fry me tomorrow, and they come around with a pencil and a pad, and they say, what do you want for your last meal? It would be boiled peanuts and great knee high. I squalled going down the road. Go back to where you quit being grateful. Life is formless. It's empty. And he said, it's dark. I don't make fun of darkness. I don't make light of darkness. If you're going through some darkness, I'm sorry. But I'm going to tell you what. I lived as a Christian through the 90s. And we glorified the darkness. We pierced the darkness. We talked about the darkness. And it's a good thing we had all those resources. But you know what it took me a long time to learn? You know what's undefeated against the darkness? Light. Just a little bit of light defeats all darkness. Quit glorifying your problem. Quit thinking in your mind that we can't defeat it. Because I'm telling you, a little bit of light defeats all the darkness in this world. I went deep sea fishing a year ago, mate. I got a guy. He believes in what I'm doing. So, we call June 1 to Labor Day the summer run. Five weeks of youth camp, two or three revivals, 100 football teams. I'm telling you, when it comes to Labor Day, I feel like I've been eaten by wolves and puked off a cliff. I'm done. So, before that summer run, he always takes me to do something fun, pays for it. He said, We're going deep sea fishing. I said, All right. Now, if you're ever going deep sea fishing out of Panama City Beach, Florida, let me tell you something. If they say it's three to five foot chop, That means it's seven to nine feet chop, and he wants more money in your deposit. We get there at 4 a.m. I never touched a fishing pole. I never put my hand in a bait bucket because for five hours we went, zoom, bam, zoom, bam. I thought I was on the deadliest catch. (laughs) I hugged a pole that was holding up, I, I, I mean, not a fishing pole, a regular pole. I prayed in the Spirit. I said, as long as Ace Captain D's and long John Silver's God, I ain't got to touch nothing. I was scared to death. I knew in my heart I was going to die. Lying, Captain. He told us this story. He said, the week before we got there, he took a group out that morning, smooth seas, and they limited it at 9 o'clock in the morning. They'd caught every fish they could catch. You supposed to stay till 3. They coming back nine o'clock them old boys had such a good experience they said we want to rent another trip this week he said we ain't got no another trip booked up he said but we could go one evening we'll go fish one wreck so they come back thursday they do the same thing they go out and fish this wreck a limit again they're wearing them out now this old guy he usually recharges a bunch of stuff does all this stuff they get out there Something electrical went squirrely in the boat. They got no electricity and nothing. They got nothing. The radio ain't working. Nothing. They got one flare. They start trying to call. It's five and a half miles offshore. They can't get nobody on their cell phone. They stuck like Chuck in the Gulf of Mexico. So the captain turned to them guys and said, them people that y'all are down here with this week, do they love y'all? Now, what would you do if the captain said, does your wife love you? Yes, she loves me. Well, they'll call somebody and send somebody for us. That was their hope. It gets dark. They thought, surely a fishing boat will pass us or something. Nothing. 10 o'clock at night, nothing. 11 o'clock, they think they hear a boat. They shoot the only flare. They got nothing. Midnight in the Gulf of Mexico, not a stitch of nothing. They hear a helicopter. They start getting hopeful. They pull off his shirts. They doing jumping jacks. Said the guy's got a searchlight and he's doing a figure eight. He just keeps missing them. He never directly hit the boat. They screaming nothing. So the helicopter kept going. Said it turned around and come back. And it was a little wider. They screaming hollering nothing. Said by that time, one of them rednecks from Eufala, Alabama. Remember, he had a cigarette lighter in his tackle box. Little old bitty big lighter said it was rusty. He ain't struck it in a year. He said he grabbed that little thing. He's trying to get that lighter. Y'all, a big lighter versus the Gulf of Mexico at midnight? Come on. Come on. He said he finally got that thing struck. He said it's about big as your pinky nail. He's doing this. Gulf from Mexico at midnight. Helicopter way over yonder. Helicopter keeps going. So about five minutes later, the Coast Guard pulled up. They said, where in the world? How would you know where we were? So that old boy in that helicopter said he thought he saw a little speck of light. When he did that, he put the infrared on us. Called in our coordinates because he had something to point the infrared at. And he said, that's how we found you. Y'all, A little bit of light versus a Gulf of Mexico at midnight. I'm telling you, listen to me. If you are going through darkness, if you have darkness in your life, I'm not trying to simplify it, and I'm not belittling what you're going through, but I'm telling you, run to the light. Come to the light. Quit reading about your darkness and start reading about the light. Quit letting people put in your ear that your darkness is so dark it's a new darkness. Ain't there been a darkness like that? I don't care how new, big, and bad your darkness is. Our Savior is the light of this world. And a little bit of light defeats all darkness. Last thing I'm going to say. None of those are my favorite part of that verse. None of them three things, powerful as they are. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness. Now, I'm a pop. I got a granddaughter. She has changed my life. My life was good before she got here. There ain't no word for how good it is now. Somebody said, my gosh, Lee, we used to like look at your Facebook. You know, it'd be big old crappy you done caught, a bunch of ducks you done shot, or a buck, or some rabbits. Said, now it ain't nothing but that little girl. I said, get ready, buddy. I got a bunch more in the pipeline coming. He said, how far you live from her? It's like you see her every day. I said, one mile, and I'm looking for something closer than that. <laughs> I'm trying to cut that in half. I can't articulate the joy she's brought to me. Her name is Layton Brooks Daniels, but I call her Smooch. Now, when she was learning how to walk, she's three now. She was learning how to walk. It had been a long time since I had a little kid that didn't know how to walk. And she's in that walker. I forgot how fast kids can be in them walkers on a hard floor. They can get it, can't they? I thought I heard her catch second gear one night coming through. our house. you know, I mean, they can fly in them walkers. Our living room is stained concrete floor. When there wasn't nobody there but me and her, I moved the coffee table, the throw rug put veggie tails something on with her kind of music and me and her look like we running Bristol. I'm spinning her we man, we having a blast. My wife come home. I wish I could meet my wife. She's a school teacher. She couldn't come. If I ever get to come back, I'm gonna try to bring her you would love my wife. I'm six four, she's five foot. <laughs> I don't call her sugar. I call her sweet and low. Y'all she's that tall right there. Got an Alabama smile, make a puppy pull a freight train. She said, you're moving that rug and that coffee table in there playing with Lake Nature. Yeah. She said, you move the rug and the coffee table. She said, but that liner under that rug, don't move it. I got it glued down. So we'll know where to put the rug back. If I have to clean the rug. Yes, ma'am. So I moved the coffee table. Next time me and Lake are there by ourselves, me and Smooch, I move the rug. We're having fun. And all of a sudden, that walker would hit the corner of that liner. And it was like it hit a brick wall. Boom. And she'd get so mad. You ought to have seen her red in the face mad. She'd back that walker up, try to get some more speed. Boom. Couldn't overcome it. I, always, I, I see her. I see my daughter in her. I see my wife in her. I see her daddy and her. I never hardly ever see nothing that reminds me of me until I saw her try to pick up the walker she was sitting in. (laughs) There's Pop right there. (laughs) Insurmountable. Insurmountable. Couldn't do a thing in the world. But Pop was hovering. What she could not fix with every ounce of effort she had in her, all her strength, Pop could fix in less than one second. Pop swing in there, pick her up in one swoop and set her the other side of her obstacle and let it rip, tater chip. You need not forget that God is hovering in your life and what you cannot do hard as you try, long as it's been around, he can fix in less than one second. He will set you the other side of your obstacle. Stand with me where you are this morning. Stand with me. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise. So if there's some staff or some leaders in the church that you know the pastor would would have no trouble with you praying with people in the, in the altar, I want a few of you guys to come, three or four guys, three or four ladies to come and get ready for this altar call. Just put your back to the stage. Come help us pray. We need a few ladies and a few men. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You going to play something for it? Thank you, sweet. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. If your life is chaotic, you're at a crossroads, and you do not know what to do, you say, leave the formlessness. I don't have anything to compare this to, and I'm at a crucial moment. I'm going to tell you this morning, he wants to show you exactly what to do. You've got to be willing to follow him. And I don't mean from a distance. I mean minute by minute, step by step, day by day. If you're here and your life is a little chaotic, you need the guidance. You need to know the will of God. Just lift your hand where you are. Everybody's head down, I close. I want to see. Well, just come on. Just come on find somebody to pray with before we do anything else. Just move out from where you are and come on. Just come on. You say, Lee, do I have to come to the altar to have God to move my life? Absolutely not. I wouldn't lie to you for nothing. Any evangelist would say that's a liar. God can move on you today at your house in your lazy boy chair. But there's somebody making a move toward God with a hungry heart. I'm telling you, when you run to him, he runs to you. Somebody help these folks pray right here. Just step up and begin to pray with these folks right here. If your life is empty, you say, Lee, I'm burnt out because I feel like I've lost my inspiration. My my life just feels empty. I would say go back to where you quit being grateful. Go back to where you quit being grateful. Here's another lady coming. Somebody pray with this lady right here. Coming down that aisle. say, Lee, I need to go back to where I've, 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 I've forgotten that it's the joy of the Lord that is my strength. I need to pray through on that issue. I want you to come right now. Some of you are using your motivation in life trying to prove people wrong. People have been saying things about you and you've been carrying that hurt forever. And that's a temporary motivation, but what the real motivation of your life long term needs to be the joy of the Lord. If That's you. Come on, we're going to pray with you. Come on, God's going to restore your joy right now, right now. If you're going through a darkness, you say, Lee, I'm in a dark spot. Raise your hand. Lee, I've been been battling darkness in my life. Raise your hand where you are. Come on, we want to pray with you. God is hovering in your life. God's hovering in your life. We want to pray with you this morning. I ain't trying to talk you into anything. If I can talk you into it, it, somebody will talk you out of it before dark. But if you feel the Lord tugging on your heart and you need a breakthrough in your life, there ain't a better place in America, there ain't a better time than right now. If you'll come and humble yourself. You, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Do what's most important first with excellence. Go back to the spot where you quit being grateful. Lord, I want to celebrate you are my source, not just get. Hung up on my resources. You need to make a move toward the light this morning. Come on. Let's sing through something together. Can we sing through something?
1: You. Freedom is you.
0: Let me say this, and then I'm going to turn the service back over to our pastor. Number one, if you're here today, and you say, Lee, all those things sound good, but you cannot take me to the point or the place where you yielded your life to Jesus Christ. You can't take me to the spot. You say, Lee, I'm a good guy. I'm glad you're a good guy but a good guy won't get you there. Lee, I know the words of all the songs, I'm faithful to the church. Good, won't get you there. The only way, first of all, you know, I hear the church say this all the time and it drives me nuts, that you have to know Jesus to have eternal life. You do not quit telling people that it's a lie. Everybody in this room's got eternal life. Whether you want it or not, Whether you have a covenant with Christ determines on where you spend eternity. But there'll be people in the flame begging for death. Everybody in here's got eternal life. You ain't got to know Jesus. But whether you have covenant with him determines on where you spend it. Number two, if you can't take me to the point where you yielded your life to him and asked him to come into your heart and made him Lord of your life, you ain't got nothing but religious memories. Because there's only one way. There's only one way. You say, Lee, the methods of ministry are changing. Let them change. There ain't but one way to do this. And that's to admit you need Christ. That he's your one and only hope and he's God's one and only son. The minute we do that, he not only becomes our Savior, he becomes our Lord. If there's somebody here today, you say, Lee, I love the Lord, but I can't take you to that spot if you've been saved, ain't no need to do it twice. But I can't take you to that spot. I want to know Christ as my Savior today. I want to yield my life to Him. I want to begin a journey with Jesus. If you're here today, this would be a great moment. You say, well, Lee, why would it be such a great moment? Because everybody in here knows Jesus. Do what we're about to ask you to do. Everybody in here that has a relationship with him, either raised a hand or walked the aisle or bowed a knee, they yielded. We yielded to him. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, and you can say from here on the rest of eternity that today was your day, this was your spot, and this was your moment. just wave your hand at me. Anybody in here that does not know Christ wants to know him as their Savior, wants to yield their life to him today, second thing I'm going to tell you is a little story from COVID it will take two minutes so when you're an evangelist and the country shuts down you don't know what you're going to do so I started this thing My, my girl works for me kept saying you need to do a podcast you need to do a podcast start a podcast I said I got one problem with that she said what I said I don't know what a podcast is All it is is on-demand talk radio is all it is. I said, well, it ain't going to be about me. So I started traveling the country. I got one season done, the Hidden Hook Podcast, 25 people's Jesus story. I got a guy used to caddy for Arnold Palmer. Got kicked out of the Army for selling cocaine. I got his Jesus story. I mean, just stories that you'd never hear in towns a lot like this. my house not long ago and a guy called me from Canada usually I don't even take him calls but I felt a hitch in my spirit I answered him it was a guy hauling logs uh, semi-truck in Canada heard a podcast accepted Christ me sitting in my lazy boy chair in Alabaster Alabama because he heard a podcast second thing that happened is this I didn't know how to do the altar we started coming out of it. How do you do the altar? I mean, goodness gracious, people felt so different about it. I mean, you know, wear a mask, what kind of mask? I mean, I seen a mask the other day, man, had a backup mirror, three zippers, a combination lock. I'm like, where did you get that? I didn't know how I was going to do the altar. Lord said, won't you do the altar after the last amen? I said, what? After the last Amen he said you could put me in a box put me in these time constraints he said after everybody says amen everybody goes to the house you stick around if somebody's got a need tell them to come in there ain't no constraint then. there ain't no time frame in so from that moment to this every altar call I do everywhere in America I hang around a little bit after the last amen and I'm going to do that right here for some reason you need something from God but you couldn't couldn't muster whatever it took to come after everybody's headed to Cracker Barrel. Y'all got Cracker Barrel, Hillary Hector? Yeah, no, I didn't think so. Just kidding. Have y'all got a huddle? Have we got a restaurant at all? Y'all got a Dollar General? I saw that. We can get some bologna some cheese and some Duke's mayonnaise. We're rolling there. After everybody's headed wherever you headed. I ain't in no hurry. I'll stay as long as it takes. I'll be more than happy to pray with you after the last Amen. I love you. Listen, this thing's going to be what you help us make it. Invite people. Get them here, especially unsaved people.